With the collapse of the temporary truce between Israel and Hamas, here in the U.S., Democratic divisions over the direction of the war and Biden's support for Israel are once again on full display. Here with me now is House Progressive Caucus Chairwoman Pramila Jayapal. Thank you for coming. It's nice to see you in person. Uh, let's start with where we are right now with, with the war. The White House says very clearly that Hamas is to blame for the collapse of this temporary truce for a few reasons. One is that they refused to release the remaining women, some of whom, sounds like most of whom are 20 to 30-year-old women. Uh, they're hostage inside Gaza. They also renewed the uh, military attacks against Israel. You have repeatedly called for Israel to implement an indefinite ceasefire. But given what we have just seen with what I just described, is that realistic? Well, it's what has to happen, and I do think it's realistic. I think what we saw is after, uh, you know, many weeks of saying we couldn't get to a ceasefire, that was not going to happen, we did have a temporary ceasefire, and what happened? We were able to see a significant number of hostages released. We were able to get humanitarian aid into Gaza, and I think the long-term plan for what happens is incredibly important. Now you've seen Vice President Harris made a very strong statement yesterday uh, Secretary, Defense Secretary uh, uh, Lloyd Austin also was very clear that if you engage in urban warfare in the way that Israel did in northern Gaza, what you will do is perhaps win a temporary victory or reprieve, but you're not going to win the long-term strategic war. So the only way, Dana, to get through this is to make sure that we, first of all, do not have the kinds of casualties that we saw in northern Gaza. There's no way to do that with the kind of war that Israel is waging right now on Gaza. A couple of things. One is, um, you said it worked. Yes, there were hostages who were released, but it wasn't even an actual uh, hard ceasefire. They were just trying to get another day and Hamas wouldn't comply. So what makes you think that Hamas would comply with a longer-term ceasefire. Well, I think this is all about negotiation. Qatar has been incredibly helpful here. It's not clear to me from the reporting um, who was to blame for. Uh, you don't for believe the, the U.S. the Biden administration that Hamas? Well, I just think it's very complicated. Young women. I think it's very, very complicated. Um, it's it's not. We don't have all the information in front of us. We uh, obviously can you know can rely on some statements that are made, but I think that. In these negotiations, everybody wants something. And I think Qatar has said that Hamas is still at the table. Israel should still be at the table. In fact, some of the hostages, are the Israeli hostages, are saying that Israel should still be at the table because this is complex negotiation. And it doesn't happen unless both sides are willing to come to some kind of an agreement. That's how we got the well, first that's, seven days. That's that's a really important point about both sides being willing to come to an agreement because regardless of what has happened last week, and let's just say there is a more permanent ceasefire, you are hearing from Hamas leaders over and over again that the brutal massacre of the 1,200 Israeli civilians was just the beginning, just a rehearsal, and that they want to continue to do it over and over again. So a ceasefire would keep that brutal, 
terrorist regime in place in, in Gaza. I don't think that's true. I think that what is true is that Hamas needs to be taken out. It is a terrorist organization. How would you do that? But I think the way to do that, as many terrorism experts have said, is to create a durable and strong coalition of allies within the Middle East, with the United States, with Israel, to make sure that we have a long-term political solution, that there is an alternative to Hamas to lead uh, in Gaza and to establish a state for Palestinians. This is, I mean, we cannot, we have to condemn what Hamas did on October 7th. We cannot allow for 15,000 Palestinians to date to have been killed, three quarters of whom are women and children, and say that that is yeah. going to help us and, in the long the term. Listen. Morally, Dana, morally, yeah. but also strategically for Israel, the only way through this is to create a situation where there is a political solution that involves a Palestinian just, state and an Israeli state. I think state. ideally what you're talking about could make sense. It's just unclear how you get from here to there. Who's going to get rid of Hamas if, 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 uh, if, if there's no continued uh, war? And I think what you're relying on is um, the pressure from Arab states and they haven't been willing to it's, do that. It's so not far. just that, well, part of the reason they haven't been willing to do that is because we have been uh, allowing Israel to literally indiscriminately bomb hospitals, violate international humanitarian law. And so we are creating well, even pre -October, enemies. Okay, even pre-October 7th. Can I just ask you one more thing about that? You have seen the information and intelligence that Hamas has used its own civilians. The death of civilians are, it's horrendous. But Hamas has used its own civilians as human shields. Those hospitals and so forth are places where Hamas uh, keeps weapons and uh, keeps its civilian, its uh, Hamas leadership, that they had their headquarters there. Dana, um, international humanitarian law says that you cannot attack a hospital unless uh, there is there are some circumstances if if rockets are fired from that hospital that is one yeah. thing but hospitals are protected we have had refugee camps that are bombed um, right now there are even the only pediatric hospital in Gaza is not operating if we want to defeat terrorists we have to abide by international humanitarian law that is just my fundamental mm -hmm. belief and that it, at the end of the day what we need is a lasting coalition that is not going to be formed if Israel continues to do what they are doing. And the United States cannot be backers of this kind of indiscriminate bombing. Um, that is my firm belief. Um, we um, should have conditions on military aid in the same way that we do to, for every other country. I want to ask you about uh, sexual violence. And the, it's kind of remarkable that this issue hasn't gotten enough Attention, uh, globally, widespread use of rape, uh, brutal rape, sexual violence against Israeli women by Hamas. Um, I've seen a lot of progressive women, generally speaking, they're quick to defend women's rights and speak out against using rape as a, as a weapon of war, but downright silent on what we saw on October 7th and what might be happening inside Gaza right now to these hostages. Why is that? 
I, I mean, I don't, I don't know that that's true. I think we, we always talk about the impact of war on women in particular. In fact, I remember 20 years ago, I did a petition around the war in Iraq. Have you said, saying have that, you talked about it since oh, October absolutely. 7th? And I've condemned what Hamas has done. I've condemned Specifically all of women. the actions. Absolutely, the, the rape, the, of course. But I think we have to remember that Israel is a democracy. That is why they are a strong ally of ours. And if they do not comply with international humanitarian law, they are bringing themselves to a place that makes it much more difficult strategically for them yeah. to be able to build the kinds of allies to keep public opinion yeah. with them. And frankly, uh, morally, I think we cannot say that one war crime deserves another. That is not what international humanitarian with, with, law says. Okay, with, with respect, I was just asking about the the women, and you turned it back to Israel. I'm asking you about Hamas, in fact. I already answered your question, Dana. I, I said it's horrific, and okay. I think that rape is horrific, sexual assault is horrific. I think that it happens in war situations. Terrorist organizations like Hamas obviously are using these as tools. Mm -hmm. However, I think we have to be balanced about bringing in the outrages against Palestinians. Yeah. 15,000 Palestinians have been killed in Israeli airstrikes, three quarters of whom and it's, are women and children. And it's horrible, but you're, you don't see Israeli soldiers raping um, Well, Dana, I think women. we're not, we're not I, I don't want this to be the hierarchy of oppressions. Right. I think 15,000 people be. have been killed. It shouldn't Palestinians. be, and it, which is horrible. 2.2 million Palestinians live in a 140 square mile area, mm -hmm. which is about the size of Las Vegas, with a population that is four times that of Las Vegas, and, and 1.8 million Palestinians right now are displaced. Can they I, are living in shelters. They are being told to move to South Gaza, then South Gaza is being bom yeah. bombed. They're being told to move to North Gaza. There are no homes left. Yeah. The vast majority of infrastructure has been destroyed. This is not the way that we are going to beat terrorism, whether it's Hamas or some well, future that, iteration of Hamas. On that note, I want to talk about what this means domestically uh, for President Biden. You've warned that the way that the uh, Biden administration, the president himself, is handling this war jeopardizes his support among progressives and Muslim American voters, and that they could actually stay home. Um, do you think that that is, how, how big of a threat, political threat, is that to President Biden, in particular when it's possible, at this point probable, that Donald Trump would be his opponent? And he's not exactly, um, warm when it comes to, to Muslims. Yeah, that's, that's an understatement. Um, look, I am a supporter of President Biden. I have been out there for the president. Um, and I will continue to be, even though I think that the way that this, uh, the handling of this war started was uh, unfortunately such that it has alienated huge communities. We have to be realistic about that. And we have to do work right now to address that, not just with outreach here, but actually looking at the situation in the Middle East and recognizing that Palestinians deserve the same respect, innocent Palestinians deserve the same respect as innocent Israelis.